Hello and welcome to the show that teaches you the things your parents and teachers are too afraid to. The Helios blog. Today, Jordan Peterson tells us we're already living in 1984. What could that mean? The reason she's alone is because she's difficult. Women are not accepting the bare minimum. Women fuck men they respect. All the women who say things like, I'm strong, independent, I don't need no man, like, y'all impress me. Women just gaslight each other and say what they want to hear. This friend of mine say something similar to, to me this week, by the way. He said, very wise man with much experience, he said he believes that we're entering the most difficult phase of this conflict. And you alluded to something similar. Why, 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 do, why did that idea make itself present to you? And, and why do you regard that as an accurate summation of what's happening? I think... It's difficult. As an actor, you're, um, you're trained. A tiny part of your brain is trained. It's such a small part of your brain. It's to be present and to remember at the same time. So it's, 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 it's a tiny part of your brain in conflict. And that creates a sense of, I can see something's happening. And actually, it, it, it came to me by realizing sitting in court, when you put this ideology to reason, to cold scrutiny, to um, proper and rigorous inquiry. They're talking about, he's talking about womanist wokeism, by the way. It has nowhere to go. It has nowhere to run. Indeed. It, it can't survive a conversation. None of it can survive a conversation. And you notice that as, you know, these little sparks that appear in society like anti-Semitism and um, pe people feeling that they can identify totally as their own little crowd group in Britain, you think that people are beginning to run out of patience. And they're just signs. And I think Peter Boghossian put it really, really well. He said, this is coming to an end, and everyone is going to say that they, ne they, ne they never paid part. And I have, I, I suppose, in a sort of roundabout and rather stupid way, I'm trying to say, it, I can tell it's coming to an end. I can just see it coming to an end. And I, and I know it's coming to an end because it doesn't make any sense. And nature abhors a vacuum. And we've had a vacuum now for a very, very long time. Okay, so I'll play devil's advocate there again. So I was talking to... I talk frequently with both Jonathan Paggio, who's been a cardinal player in this ARC enterprise, who's a very wise person, and with Michael Mellis. They're quite different people because Paggio is a icon carver and a, and a deep Christian, trained as well in the postmodern ethos, so he understands both sides of the argument. And Michael Mellis is kind of a libertarian um, uh, anarchist. But... Both of them have the, they're, both of them believe that we're not going to get through this bout of ideological conflict without some really serious trouble. Yep, that's, that's my impression as well. As worrisome as that sounds. And my sense is more agnostic. I believe that the future isn't written in blood and that if we conducted ourselves wisely, we could have a virtual apocalypse, let's say, instead of the real thing that we could... Well, how often have people conducted themselves wisely?
could work this out in the realm of ideas. We could tilt ourselves back on the upward path without the kind of mayhem that was that sometimes accompanies a transformation of ideology. Now, there's some precedent for this. Obviously, when the Soviet Union collapsed, that was much less bloody than we had any right to, to hope or expect. So, but then I, you know, I'm really torn about this because I look at the universities and I think, oh my God, you guys are so far gone that nothing but your total collapse is going to bring about a transformation. And when I sadly, indeed, I start thinking that that's a rather pessimistic view, something like what happened in Washington happens and you get the president of MIT and Harvard and UPenn, all three woefully underqualified for the job, come out and say in unison something so utterly blood-curdling and preposterous that it's surreal. You think, well, it's a long ways yet to the bottom. Oh, they're, they're uh, wokest uh, womanists. They follow the religion. And so you think you you think it's going to come you think you you intimated that you believe that this is going to come to an end do you do you, I just can't I don't have any vision of how things are going to lay themselves out over the next few years I can't predict it and so but you you said you have a sense I can see look I put up five YouTube videos last year that were all critical of the climate narrative and basically nothing happened to me as a consequence. YouTube put up a few warnings, you know, that like they always do about how climate change is this ultimate catastrophe, but they left them alone. And almost all the comments were positive. And certainly the climate catastrophe narrative has taken a vicious hit in the last year. And people are pretty tired of the trans stupidity. So, but, but then you see the depth of corruption in places. People are tired of the womanist wokist narrative as well like the universities, and you think, oh my God, you know, how much trouble is there going to have to be before sanity does, does prevail? I suppose what gives you a, a sense that things are going to change, I was quite affected by something that you said quite early on. And weirdly, um, my dad, who broke the car, like he, he slammed the brakes on in the car when I was about eight years old, and he went, postmodernism is evil. And I was like, well, I didn't understand, but I, I could just remember it. And he was obviously listening to the BBC or something. And you said this thing quite early on, and he was a dad actually introduced all of us to you to, to varying degrees of love, let's put it that way. <laughs> and um, and um, one of the things that I thought was this idea that you raised, which was when this thing is overthrown... What comes? A sort of Hitlerian figure comes, doesn't he, out of the Weimar, which is, you know, Victor Davis Hanson talks about how we're in this sort of leisured, affluent Weimar period, and, and from that comes a Hitlerian figure. And one of the greatest things that I think about Britain, and um, John Anderson said this to me as well when he, when he spoke, he said, when things get really, really bad, people are going to look at Britain. They're going to look to Britain, and they're going to look at your legal system, and we're going to look at the way that you've been going around you know you've reformed you've unreformed you've 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 reversed revolutions you've done all this stuff and i think that there is within the english patients the, the the fundamental english patients there's a real stoic solidness to it and i think that that's what will ultimately end this period 
that we cannot have, um, people are now openly laughing at the way universities are talked about. Yep, indeed. In the UK, anyone who is vaguely awake is turning around and saying, you know, don't send your kids to universities. Um, I'm, we do what we do via the Bad Law Project to, to challenge the government over certainly stuff that they're teaching in schools. And I think, I think a sort of bloodless coup is possible, but, uh, but part of me is like, uh, is this is going to end violently, but it might end violently. It might end violently in a, sort of in a good way, for want of a better word, which is that they go, they get so upset and so angry and so annoyed that no one is listening to them and that British people still want to protect their culture and not have it diluted and stuff like that, that there's a big riot. We've already seen what's going on in London over the last three weeks and Britain just galvanizes itself. We're very tough like that. And, and, and that gives me some hope. Admittedly, it's fleeting often, but it does give me some... It, it gives me hope that it can be... How quickly was McCarthyism... Um, they just said go, didn't they? It was just like goodbye, out. You know, and I think that, that something similar might happen. Well, it might, it might depend, you know, it might depend on how effectively... It will depend, I think, on how effectively people conduct themselves. And, you know, I think that for... Uh, I mean, Jordan said it himself. Uh, it only takes about 10% of the population to be of like mind for things to change. 10% of people behaving how they're supposed to. For people like you and I, whatever we can do to strive to keep enmity out of our hearts is going to all be to the good, you know? Like, I am very unimpressed with the leader of Canada. I would have a very difficult sh time shaking his hand. I really detest him. And you know, possibly the right attitude would be to wish the better part of him well and to hope that he could escape from his narcissistic entrapment, you know? Hilarious. And that's probably well, you know, stranger things have happened. It is possible for people to undergo quite dramatic transformations of character. I mean, that happens to Paul, to Saul on the way to Damascus, right? I mean, you can yeah. have a you can have a transformative moment. And I suppose if you had any sense, that's what you'd wish for for everyone, that they could see the light properly. Um, I think that if people on the alternative vision side, while well, we're seeing this with ARC, you know, like that we put a bunch of videos up on YouTube that came from the ARC conference. And the more political they are, the less popular they are. Indeed. The more visionary, the more metaphysical, and the more humorous they are, the better they're performing, right? And then the comments are also extremely positive on the apolitical, visionary talks and very negative on the political talks. And so I think that is a reflection, too, of the fact that, you know— People don't like politics anymore. People think politics is stupid— like, because the politicians are not to be trusted and so on. Big surprise. Yeah, <laughs> for, for many years now. Anyway. If we're going to, those of us who are interested in standing against the use of arbitrary force should be very careful about not even secretly being pleased when unnecessary force is used. Well, again, and that's another thing that makes the, the camera issue so bloody complicated. I mean, I, 
I still think your arguments about opposing their distribution is, I think your arguments are correct. And I think that that form of civil disobedience is not only appropriate, but morally called for. You also mentioned, you know, that one of your hallmarks for distinguishing between useful and and dangerous civil disobedience is the humor that goes along with it. And I, you know, that, I think that's a really good marker too. The best, the, the most popular speech that that emerged out of the art conference was Constantine Kizan's speech. You know, and Constantine is damn good at interleaving the serious with the lighthearted and self-deprecating and absurd. So there is something about that allowance for the absurd that does seem to be a touchstone for honest communication. You see that too, you know, so many of the great YouTubers or comedians or ex-comedians, right? And i that's not fluke. They're, they're good at listening to the audience and they don't take themselves too seriously, you know? And, and those are profound markers of the sort of character that you might be able to trust. Um, Let me ask you... Sorry. Oh, go, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was, just, ahead, I was just saying, perhaps we're witnessing um, one of the other things that we're witnessing, which is either new or not new, my knowledge of history is not obviously the greatest, is this idea of the political influencer via social media. The, the, uh, the absence of a political leader. You know, we've got the, the Labour Party and the Conservative Party in the UK. The Conservative Party took in 30 million in donations in the last quarter of 2022 or whenever it was. Labour took in 3 million. The hmm. insurgent party reform, which is currently polling, they say, at 10%, took in £20,000. So it seems to me that there is zero appetite for a change politically, but there is a huge appetite for a change culturally or, 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 or a realignment culturally. So that people people always say to me, you know, you, you, you get it times a million, but when I'm stopped on the street, people say to me, thank you for trying to protect our culture. Thank you. And that comes from a weird, uh, not weirdly, just normally, but it's it, overwhelmingly people who are new arrivals to this country, who came to this country to succeed, who want to uh, play on a fair playing field. They don't want. They they wanted to leave the oppressions and the oppression hierarchies of the places that they lived in before behind, and they wanted to fight on a perfect, uh, fair playing field. And so I wonder whether we, we're also going to see the rise in the political influencer. You know, The Rock might run for... Or Tucker Carlson might become, you know, Trump's VP. Doubtable, but it is. But w whether the entire social media landscape and all of and all of the new media has... You know, you, you've got it with the Daily Wire. You know, if Ben Shapiro decided to run for office, who knows what would happen? It's, mm -hmm. it's a sort of strange development. Anyway, that was my sort of aside to your point. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you something more personal here for a bit. Um, I... I... What... What exactly is happening with you as a consequence of the legal entanglements that have enveloped you? Like, what are you in danger of? I mean, I know the process is the punishment and everyone, the, the police who came to round you up um, are part and parcel of that. What, what were the police like? What are the police like? Like, the thing that's so striking to me about the police in the UK and, and in North America is that it isn't obvious to me that their natural allies are the you know, woke utopians. And so how did the police who came, t 
tell us the story about the police coming to your house and how did they treat you and what what what's your family what are you and your family going through at the moment Okay, so that so the the police. Uh, I have to confess to being a pathetic actor, and actors always want to please their audience. I don't understand. So when the police turned up, I tried to make friends with them, and I I could make friends with everyone except for one for the arresting officer who'd got his big day, and that was hard. Uh, but even by the end of the day, I think I won him round. And look, I took I said to them, "Can I take a book with me? Because I'm going to be in the cells." And they were nice enough to let me take a book. So I finished off the Gulag Archipelago. Quite a useful time in the cells. And you're thinking, well, I don't have it that bad. Um, in, <laughs> yeah. terms of, in terms of the police, I think they... You know, I think that, I again, I want to apply this... Uh, They're not really... It's not really the police that, that do the bad. They're the arm of the people that do bad. They're the agent, but they're not... The bad person. I don't know if that and makes I must sense. must apply this because otherwise I would go insane. That what people are doing is not necessarily who they are. So I think that, you know, there was a sort of, they were quite charged up when they came in and they really wanted to get involved. But by the end of the day, I think I won them over. And they were actually sympathetic, even though they did nothing about it. When I said, please, can I have my children's phones and iPads back? Because what have they got to do with this? And... There was a really touchy moment, and it was, it was horrible, actually, because I'm stood in a police uh, station next to a kid, 19-year-old kid, uh, or younger, with, like, forensic sleeves on his arms. So those white forensic sleeves, he's covered in blood. Oh, kid, And I'm stood next to him, and he's obviously horrible. just killed somebody. Horrible. And I'm, and I'm thinking, wow, we, we are the, we're being treated with the same level of seriousness by the law. So that gave me... Pause for thought. Uh, in terms of my family, I have a my uh, my dad is as I think I've sort of alluded to in this conversation with you. He, he was on this stuff in the like 1985. I think I was on that car journey when he was going. So he's sympathetic. He doesn't necessarily approve of my tactics. Um, my one brother up is a is a beautiful and wonderful stern brother but he's really there for you when you when you need him but he again is like not necessarily approving of my tactics my sister and i uh we disagree about everything our politics are completely different and we get on like a house on fire so it's like how, does, how do you know about these things and then the people that i really feel sorry for are my children because um you know, a really well-known actor went up to my son at school because my little son goes to this, the, I mean, the most dreadful school that Britain has to offer by miles. It's just dreadful, full of celebrity, rich celebrities, very woke celebrities. They teach, it's all transgenderism, the whole thing. Disaster. Yep. Lovely. It's transgenderism. And this actor took it upon himself. Womanist wokeism. To go up to my son and tell him that his dad was a fascist. And that's um, oh yeah, that's 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 pleasant. How old's your son? He was eleven. At that oh point. yeah, lovely, lovely. Yeah, yeah. And what an insult! What a what a cruel thing to do. Great. Well, I guess that guy picked on someone his own size, eh? Trying to turn a child against his own father. Yeah. So I. So that is difficult. But my kids, 
you know, the, the whole point of doing anything you ever do is for you and for your kids, you know, and you, and, you know, part of the, I think part of the process of meaning, full stop, is to remedy some of the things that, you know, it's, it's to try and refine the, the mechanism of the family and all those sorts of things as you learn from your father and your mother, the mistakes they made, and you go, well, I'll try not to make that mistake. So your, your life is constantly driven by meaning. You're always trying to find meaning in it. So therefore, with, with, with my kids, they understand me and they get me and they, and they know who I am and, I, and I'm flattered and honored to be their parent and that's that that's how it is I, I mean is it is it difficult yes it's difficult but is it difficult to be sat in a situation in life where you had no choice no say and your life was ended like that so i i you can't i like these old truisms these i, I like these old the, the these things that someone's got it worse than you I like those things. I like sticks and stones may break my bones. I like that. I like all of these things because it reminds you that you are you are entrenched in a reality of your own making, which is... Yes, indeed. And uh, ultimately, it's up to you to, to make the best of, of the life that you have. And the, and, and the way that you can control the life that you have is through your own actions, through your own choices. It's not as bad as it could be. So be tough. And be strong and, and love your and love as much as you can. And and how about your wife? How how has she managed to managed with all the disruptions in your career and and you putting yourself and and your family well in one way on the line? I mean it's tricky, right? Because you're always putting your family on the line in one way or another. Like there's no escape from that in life, you know. And so really what you do is you decide how you're going to lay things on the line. But Often what people will do is take illusory short-term security in preference to actually addressing the issue at hand. And, I mean, you've, you've suffered a, a dreadful amount of disruption, especially on the career front, as a consequence of your political stances. And how, what's that done to your marriage? Well, my marriage ended in 2016, and she is a very interesting character who is using the, um, we really need to have a look at the family courts in the UK. We're still arguing in family court. Weirdly, whichever political case I have seems to work its way into a family court case at the, at the same time, which is different. But my partner, what my partner is, is, uh, is still water. You know, she just, when I, um, when I go, I cut this is mad, it's too much. She just goes, it's okay. It's okay. You'll be all right. Do you want to talk about it? And it, it, we, she, she's still water and I'm fire. And that works for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Because I, as you said, you know, you've got a temper. I've got a real temper. Like yesterday when I was with my kids and I was saying, we've got to go and see grandpa and everyone. And they're like, the car's going to come in four minutes. And they're like, I'm ready. And it's like, then the car arrives and no one's ready. And you're just like, kids, come on, go. Indeed. So um, my partner is, she's the, she's the ice and the cooling to, to the fire that I can be sometimes. Right. Well, that's, that's, that's handy. That's handy to have someone who can let you take a sober second thought. Yeah. So what are your plans what are your plans? What are you doing now? And what are your plans for the future? 
So now... How are you keeping body and soul together even? Well, it's really annoying. I had a neck operation. So I, I used to keep my body and soul together by exercising, but I had a neck operation and that stopped me from being able to exercise. So I need to work out a system of doing that. What I'm doing is I'm taking the government to court for uh, non-contact child abuse of children in school via their um, transgender policies in the UK. Schooling in schools because it's disgusting what they're teaching our children. And we've got a we've put together a big case and we're gonna take the Department of Education to court. I'm fighting the um Who's we? Who the womanist wokists. Who's we well, at least somebody's doing it. So I started I started not once I realized that politics is fine, but it's not what people care about. People are going to mm -hmm. vote red, they're going to vote blue, they're going to vote red, they're going to vote blue, they're going to swap one time or another. I, we thought, okay, what are the other things that we can do to change stuff? So we started up something called the Bad Law Project, which is my team, which is a small team, mm -hmm. it's about six, eight people, and I have um, two, uh, I have a barrister and a solicitor within that team, and we are going to take the Department of Education to court to stop them teaching our kids this stuff, because once we stop them teaching the kids this stuff, then what comes out of university is not going to be such a problem. Um, Indeed, that's right. We're fighting, our, we have an MP in Andrew Bridgen uh, in Northwest Leicestershire who was kicked out of the Conservative Party uh, for criticising the COVID vaccine rollout and saying that it did cause some problems. And then we do bits of media stuff as well, you know, just, just to sort of, you know, offer up some thoughts about life. So we try and look at it as a stool whereby we have legal, political and um, media. And I'll do that until I can't take it anymore. But at the moment, I'm sat totally desperate because I've walked out of my libel case two weeks ago and I'll get a judgment before Christmas. And it, and it will be a very, very important judgment for the UK because the judge is being asked to define the meaning of the word racist. Hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to end the video there. Seems like there's some serious things brewing for 2024. Hit the like, hit the sub, hit all the notifications. Drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian R, Tom and Bobby, Dylan, Renaissance Press, and Brian. Shout out to you, most recent Patreon subscriber. Thank you. If you want coaching, message me at theheliosblog at gmail.com. Buy my books at bit.ly slash heliosbooks. My Patreon can be found at patreon.com slash theheliosblog. Thank you so much for listening, guys, especially if you listen to the end. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.